1: Wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina.
0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Oh. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Rain of Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from MassLive.com. I was joined by Sean Hyken of the Locked On Bulls podcast to give us the Bulls perspective on the first round series between Boston and Chicago. Heiken breaks down the Bulls' what he thinks will be the Bulls' greatest strengths and weaknesses in the series. We chatted about John Rondo's resurgence, Dwayne Wade coming back from an injury, whether Jimmy Butler is the best player in the series, and we gave our predictions for who we think will win and in how many games. It's not necessarily the normal 1-8 series with the Celtics, I think, a little more vulnerable than most number one seeds. They're not that juggernaut that you normally expect from the top team in the Eastern Conference, but they will be the favorites entering in. Anyway, here's the interview with Sean Haiken.
1: So, Jay, Bulls-Celtics.
0: Bulls-Celtics, man, it- Finally, finally the playoffs are here. The last week of the regular season just bugs me. Everybody's sitting, guys. It's like the biggest games of the year for a lot of teams, and the opponent is starting like a guy who should be in the D League.
1: (laughs) Dude, so the Nets last night, the the Nets who, by the way, had clinched the worst record in the league for a pick that actually belongs to you guys, not even their own pick, so they don't even have any incentive to tank. Last night the Nets sat Jeremy Lin, Brook Lopez, and Trevor Booker. Which, first of all, the fact that Trevor Booker is a guy that you have to sit to make yourselves worse is, you know, says something about your roster. But like, they were start, they were they were playing a bunch of dudes, and it was, and, it, and we we asked Kenny Atkinson about it before the game, and he was like, yeah, you know, we want to go into the season healthy, we want to do Brook Lopez for And it's like, oh come on, dude, like like really? <laughs> and it's like, and i like, I get it, like I understand, like if Brooke Lopez is like your one really good player and asset you you want to keep him healthy in case you want to trade him over the summer if you're the nets but like that was one of and cody and i talked about this on our show last night but that was one of the most unwatchable basketball games i've ever covered
0: yeah that 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 final score was yours,
1: little yours was competitive at least yours was competitive at least for a while
0: yeah the the no-name bucks played pretty well but l- let's get started talking about this playoff series because yeah Even though it's 1-8, it should be a pretty competitive one. You know, the Bulls have Jimmy Butler, one of the best players in the league.
1: They have the best player in the series.
0: They have played a lot better recently. Uh, What do you think is the biggest advantage for the Bulls in this series?
1: Well, I think they have the best player in the series, and Jimmy Butler, which I think matters a lot in the playoffs. But I mean, I think I think, I, I don't get me wrong. We're going to probably do our official picks later. And I, but I just to spoil it, I do think the Celtics are going to win the series because I think they're deeper and better coached and all that stuff. But the Bulls have the best player in the series, and you know, and you know I, that.
0: I, I, see, I, I hear that a lot. I heard it. I've heard it about Paul George if he had played the Celtics. I've heard it now about Jimmy Butler, and I, I don't necessarily disagree. But to state that he's definitely the best player in this series, I think is a slight to Isaiah Thomas. And I, I know Isaiah has his defensive issues, but offensively, he is dynamite. And and he's the type of dynamite that you have to totally game plan against. And he, he, he frees everybody else. So I, I think it's not... I, I I think I agree with you that Jimmy's the best player in the series, but but I've heard I've heard that a lot, and I think people are discarding how damn good Isaiah is.
1: I'm not discarding at all how good Isaiah is. I, I it's for me it's more Jimmy has you know has I mean maybe he's not as dangerous of a scorer as Isaiah is, but he can he's a pretty damn good scorer, and he also will guard the other team's best player.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm like, excited. I'm excited for the Jimmy Butler Isaiah Thomas matchup when the Celtics have the ball.
1: Well it's going to happen. it's going to happen in the fourth quarter because I, th- I think it's going to be one of those situations where maybe they'll put like, I don't know Paul Zipser or, or or somebody on Isaiah for the first three quarters to conserve Jimmy's energy, let him you know get get his offense going in the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, if Isaiah starts to heat up, that's when they'll probably put Jimmy on him.
0: yeah, that, and, and they the Bulls used that earlier this season a bit, and, and Butler did a really good job.
1: Uh, he did yeah because yeah he's he can he can he's up to the job of guarding those guys is the thing and so it's going to be but, but and then on the other side the Celtics have you know whether it's Jay Crowder or Marcus Smart or Avery Bradley they have guys who can stick with Jimmy too
0: yeah okay so I, I a lot of a lot of people have, have tweeted about the Bulls offensive rebounding and obviously for the season they've had a, a good offensive rebounding team they haven't been the same since trading Taj Gibson do you think their physicality in the front court will will be a, a big advantage against Boston? Or is that kind of gone after they traded Gibson away?
1: Well, I think them trading Taj is a big part because he was a guy who always killed the Celtics. And he was a guy who would always just bully their bigs. They don't have anybody who can rebound with him. They still have Robin Lopez, who's a very good rebounder and a very good offensive rebounder. But you know, not having Gibson, you kind of saw the difference. And I don't want to say that just not having Taj Gibson is the only reason that that last Game between the Bulls and the Celtics was so ugly, but you know it, it was it was a big difference because the first three times they played, I know the Celtics won one of those, but that, those but all three of those first games, opening night, the one early in the season that the Celtics won, and then the TNT one with the weird Marcus Smart fan foul thing. But like those three games, Taj killed them on the boards, and he has done that consistently over the years. And he's gone now. I think that's an advantage for the Celtics. I still think the Bulls have the advantage when it comes to rebounding, but it's not as pronounced as it was when Taj was here.
0: Yeah, I, I think earlier in the season, like the I think they played the second game of the season for Boston, and mm-hmm. and Chicago's physicality was just a huge issue. And I, I do think that midseason trade diminished the Bulls. Now, for the Celtics, fans, you
1: think you think you, you you think trading Taj Gibson for three guys <laughs> who currently aren't even in the rotation? You think that was a bad trade for the Bulls? <laughs>
0: yes, yeah, yes. It's not exactly the the hottest take um, for Celtics fans. Like, I think a lot of Celtics fans are probably shocked that the Bulls rebounded to make the playoffs, considering how lifeless they looked in Boston. It was, that was maybe the most lifeless performance I saw this season in person. Like they, they just did not look at all interested in playing
1: basketball. <laughs> and, it was, it was. I mean, the the Bulls have kind of just vacillated between these two extremes. There are nights like. You know, the two times they beat the Celtics or any of the four times they beat the Cavs or the time they beat the Warriors or any of the times they beat any of these good teams where they look like they can contend with anybody on any night, and then there are nights like yeah, like that, that that one in Boston last month, or they had a game against the Sixers around that time where they just got completely run off the floor and the Sixers scored seventy points in the paint. The Bulls either look like they're world beaters or they look like the worst team in the league. There's really not a lot of in between with them.
0: But they've they've been better lately. What 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 do you think has changed since that Period of time when I think they lost like five or six straight games, yeah. and the the rotation was in shambles. What what has changed for them since then that's kind of allowed them to resettle themselves?
1: Uh, a couple of things, actually, Jay. So so, so and I and I, these kind of things might kind of go hand in hand. One of them was so there was a big controversy in that last game in Boston because Nico Amiritich, who had been. DNP's coach's decision for the last couple of games before that in that Celtics game not only was he DNP he was inactive they put him on the inactive list in favor of Isaiah Cannon who still only played in garbage time in that blowout but then the next game they put Nico back in the rotation he came off the bench and he had a huge game and that kind of kicked off a little hot streak for him so when when Nico gets going especially you know they, they moved him into the starting lineup shortly after that and You know, having a guy and maybe it's just the fact that it's the month of March and Nico for for all three seasons he's been in the NBA has just shot the lights out in March and been totally inconsistent every other month out of the year. But, you know, getting him hot and getting him confident and getting shots for him. Like, I think that's helped. You know, you trade Taj Gibson and then Bobby Portis, you never know what you're going to get get from him on any given night. So, you know, having Nico in there knocking down shots, that's a guy that the other team's big men have to go out to the perimeter and guard, and you have to at least respect his shot, even though you don't know how consistent it is. So Nico getting, you know, getting his confidence back after falling in and out of the rotation over the year, that was one thing. And the other thing was, I mean, obviously Celtics fans are – well aware of this, they moved Rondo back into the starting lineup. They had been starting Michael Carter Williams for a while, Jaron Grant for a while. Uh, they move Rondo back into the starting lineup and he just starts and this. And this is around the same time that, uh, that Dwayne Wade goes out with the elbow injury. And I'm not, I'm not somebody who thinks that the bulls are better without Dwayne Wade because I think that's kind of a lazy narrative, but R- Wade going out of the lineup and Rondo coming into the lineup at the same time. Cause then you're starting uh, Rondo with Jimmy Lopez on the inside, and then Nico and Zipsor, who are two guys that can hit an outside shot. And, I mean, that just helped the spacing. And Rondo is always pushing the pace. And Rondo, I mean, for, for as weird as this season has been with Rondo, he's basically saved the season.
0: The, the rejuvenation of Rajon Rondo has been one of my favorite subplots of this season. How,
1: how excited are you for his revenge series against the Celtics in the playoffs?
0: I, I, it, it's funny because... I I want to see if he still has that playoff level, and I don't I don't think he does. I I, I don't think he has that. He certainly doesn't have that level he used to reach years and years ago. When he well,
1: was, no, he has not. He has physically he just has not been the same guy since the ACL injury back in 2013. I agree with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but I I am excited to see whether he can dial it up a notch. And I think he kind he kind of has dialed it up a notch over the last month or so. And and maybe he he won't won't be able to take it any further, but but the the legend of playoff Rondo, and and now Rondo playing against the Celtics in a playoff series, it's it's interesting. It's it's certainly interesting. I I, I I'm I'm very curious to see what happens there. Now, obviously, the Celtics are the one seed. I, I would say, and and this is this is no slight to them. I would say they are the most vulnerable one seed in recent history and and again that that's no slight to them like they won 53 games they have Isaiah Thomas who will probably be on second the second team all NBA yeah and they have you know a, a, one of the NBA's best starting lineups they have they're they're a really good team but they're they're definitely not a great team and when you think of one seeds you think of teams that are probably going to reach the finals I don't think anyone Believes the Celtics are the favorites to reach the finals. I I think Cleveland's number one. I I think a lot of people, including myself, would put Toronto number two. Um, but the the Celtics got lucky. They will avoid both those guys through at least two rounds, thanks to a wild final
1: week. Do you have any idea, by the way, why the Cavs just completely punted on the one seed? They decided, like at a certain point, they lost they lost that game against Miami, and then they were just like, you know what, we're good. We don't even we don't even want to try to get the one seed.
0: Well, well, what happened was, I, I I assume what happened was they they looked at the growing minutes uh-huh. and said, "What the like, we can't keep playing LeBron fifty minutes right before the playoffs." And I think he played forty six or forty seven in the overtime loss to the Hawks, and then they shut him down. So. That-
1: <laughs> that was, but I've just never seen a team just completely, you know, they're in position to get the one seed. If they don't blow that 26-point lead against the Hawks, they probably get the one seed. But then, then they're just like, nah, you know, we're good. We don't need the one seed.
0: F it, man. F it.
1: <laughs> I still I – still, and, you know, I, told, I agree with you as far as, you know, the, Cav, the Celtics are the one seed because the Cavs decided they didn't want to be the one seed. I still feel like until it actually happens, I'm not going to pick – a team that doesn't have LeBron James over a team that has LeBron James in a playoff series in the East. So I still don't really see a lot of way that the Cavs don't get to the finals.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what what percent chance? I hate this question. <laughs> First of all, let me state I hate this question, but it's it's an interesting way to to open up how strongly you get what what type of chance you give the the Bulls in the series. What percent odds do you think they have of of upsetting the Celtics in round one?
1: I don't know, like thirty percent, maybe. I think I don't. I, I would still absolutely pick the Celtics to win this series, but I think this is the best. Out of the teams that they, and I know, I know the Bulls beat the Cavs four times in the regular season. But you still, given the choice between playing LeBron in the first round and not playing LeBron in the first round, you'll always take not playing LeBron. And you know, once Toronto wasn't a possibility because of seeding, you know, they matched up pretty well with the Celtics. They they split the season series, but one of the two losses that they had, the one in, the one in November in Boston, that game was competitive. But so, like, I, I, and you know, J- J- Jimmy Butler has gone off against the Celtics before, and you know, they have the advantage with offensive rebound again I still think the Celtics are the better team I think the Celtics are going to win the series but I think this series is going to go six games I don't think it's going to be a sweep or a one-sided series by any means
0: yeah I, I think I I think I agree with that I think I think the Bulls I mean at the very least they're a competitive team they're they're not yes. a they're not a particularly good team they're, they're, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> they're not. certainly not a great team but but they're a competitive team and, and they're they're physically tough they have a lot of veterans who have played in big games before who, who won't be deterred by, by whatever they get hit with. And that, to me, it's another interesting part of the, the, this series is the Celtics are the number one seed. They're the 53-game winners. They're the team that, that really is, is a, a pretty big favorite. And, and they've never won a playoff series before.
1: They haven't won a. The, the franchise has not won a playoff series since Garnett and Pierce were there.
0: Yeah, and and it, it's just so they have to learn how to win a playoff series. And I do think that teams need to learn how to win playoff series. It's like there's a process to 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 succeeding in playoff basketball that is not the same as it is during the regular season. And I, I do think that the Celtics are. A, a much, a, a significantly better team. I think their their quickness advantage will will be very big and and carry them uh, to a, a not not an, not an easy series, but I, I do think they'll they'll handle the Chicago Bulls. But but at the same time, it's like in those moments, Rondo is he's been stealed by years and years of deep playoff runs Dwayne Wade same thing you know like the Bulls have a lot of playoff experience and 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 Jimmy
1: Butler's gone toe-to-toe with LeBron in the the playoffs before
0: yeah yeah so so maybe that'll matter and and I don't think it'll matter too much because I do think the Celtics have a, a significant edge in a lot of ways especially the biggest one is shooting although the Bulls have have shot the ball a lot better recently. Is that just because of rotation changes is or is that like like fluky stuff like Rondo suddenly hitting shots? What what do you think has has caused their uptick in three-pointers made? I think they're like 37.5% since the All-Star break something like that.
1: Yeah, I well I think part of it and we I just talked about this was the uh you know, was you know Dwayne Wade going out, and then you suddenly have yeah. to put two shooters around. Are, are
0: they are they worse with Dwayne Wade playing?
1: I don't think so because I, th- I mean, here's the thing: it's not it's not like Dwayne Wade didn't play, and then one of the Bulls' young guys ha- is so good that now you have to think about. You know, bringing Wade up like like it's, not, it's mean, not like Paul's it's not like Paul Zips Zipser, Zipser was Zipser
0: fever, man. Zipser fever.
1: I, 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 people who listen to Locked On Bulls know that I'm as in on Paul Zipser as anybody. But even like even I like come on, like if you're <laughs> who are you, you going to play in the playoff, Dwayne Wade or Paul Zipser? Who would you rather have out of the court? Like come on. Uh, but like the it's not like Paul Zipser was so good that now Wade comes back and is like Ugh, should they put it back in or Denzel? I'm actually a little bit concerned about Wade. In this series, not because I think that the Bulls are a worse team with him on the court, but just because he just missed three weeks with the elbow injury and he's looked like he's kind of out of shape. He's played three games. He played the last three games of the season since coming back from the injury, and he hasn't looked great. And I think part of that is just him getting his win back, and they're going to have a few days off here, so maybe he'll be ready by then. And certainly Wade was phenomenal in the playoffs last year with Miami, so y- you know that he's a guy that, especially considering how he kind of picked his spots during the regular season, he's a guy that has been in these, this situation before, and he hit, he's you know, saving it for now, and he, you know maybe he will be able to dial it up. But he has not looked great since he's come back from the injury, so I'm a little bit concerned about that.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Dwayne Wade, man, he he did have a hell of a playoffs last year. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just started hitting threes. It was like, like suddenly, and then didn't he like start screaming at some dude in the front row? Yeah. In Charlotte, that that was hilarious too. Some some maniac so in the front row.
1: So I by the way, just I just looked up what Rajon Rondo's three point percentage is post All Star break. You want to guess what it is? Forty eight percent. A little bit lower, forty six point three, which is still which is still absurd. He was shooting thirty one point six percent before the All
0: Star. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that's that's at least slightly fluky. There will be yeah, just a just a little bit to the mean. <laughs> yeah,
1: just just a little bit. I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's not sustainable. But I just it's just one of those funny things. But you know, legitimately, Rondo has been. Pretty good since since he kind of got back in there. There was that weird period, you know, at the beginning of January where he was out of the rotation entirely for five games, and then he gets back in and he kind of takes on that second unit role. And then Jaron Grant and MCW are both so bad that they kind of have to put him back in the starting lineup. and And he's he's actually been pretty good.
0: Okay, so, so seven game series. What do you think is Chicago's biggest weakness, and especially against these Celtics? shooting yeah
1: I think and, and especially because I mean the the Celtics have such good perimeter defenders in the first place you know guys like Crowder and Smart and Bradley they have guys that even if, even for somebody who for a team that has good shooters those guys are going to give them problems the Bulls best shooter is probably like Nico Mirich, who's inconsistent Denzel Valentine who's not even in the rotation as of now like they don't have anybody that you can say I mean because because if if if, it's, if those Celtics perimeter defenders are going against like the Warriors, you can say, "Well, their perimeter defense is really good." But it's like, "Oh, they have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson; those guys are going to be able to knock down shots anyway." The Bulls don't have shooters that you can are confident enough can say are going to overcome you know how good Boston's perimeter defense is. So I'm not very confident in their ability to make outside shots. That's that I would say is the biggest thing. What do yeah. you think the Celtics' biggest weakness is? Uh,
0: I I, w- I would probably still say rebounding even though their their defensive rebounding has been actually better than average since the all-star break which is crazy because for a long time they were historically bad at defensive rebound like like woefully horrendously bad uh but but they've really picked that up recently they've they've actually done a decent job that's still one of their biggest issues i don't know if this chicago team anymore can can do too much to exploit it um but they just don't have too much size. Like from Isaiah Thomas to Avery Bradley. And it, when they go to their bench sometimes, even in their front court, like Amir Johnson, Al Horford, those guys aren't that physical. So there's just a, a lack of physicality and size across their roster. And then the bench, you don't necessarily know what you're getting from the Celtics bench. Or, or maybe you do know what you're getting, and it's, it's not very good. When Isaiah Thomas has been off the court lately, the Celtics offense – has not been good at all. Now one one thing that that has happened recently is Brad Stevens has generally given Terry Rozier DMP CDs and Rozier's shooting percentage is like 36%. He hasn't hit threes. And when you have him and Marcus Smart on the court, like they make the Bulls look like sharpshooters. So I I think moving Rozier to uh, out of the rotation might help stabilize that bench and and playing more starters with the bench units uh with with the playoffs and i think you give give your best players more minutes so i don't think the bench will be quite as big a weakness maybe as it was during the regular season but the celtics they haven't blown anybody out this basically this whole season because they can't sustain good play what and their starting lineup has been really good when Isaiah Thomas is on the court they roll people offensively but some of their bench units just, just haven't been good and I, I think that's, that's where they have to be better and that's where Stevens has to figure out some sort of rotation in the playoffs that, that can help stabilize them when, when Thomas is off the court because that has been a major, major issue lately
1: so you want to talk about unstable rotations? The Bulls, I think, have finally figured out what their nine-man playoff rotation is going to be, and it only took until Game 82 for it to happen. Okay, so who are the four guys off the bench? Uh, I think Jaron Grant is going to be the backup point guard, which I think is the right decision because Michael Carter Williams has just been terrible.
0: Although, who knows? Because their point guard situation has been so fluid.
1: It's not good. And by the way, by the way, uh, the other day they lost the game to Brooklyn on Saturday. You know who scored the last nine points for the Nets? Uh or, or seven of the last nine points, rather. Who's that? Spencer Dinwiddie, who they cut during training camp. <laughs> to sign your to sign Celtics legend RJ Hunter, who played nine total minutes of garbage time before he got cut.
0: Shout out to RJ. Great guy.
1: Shout out RJ's a really good guy. I wish he I wish he was like good at basketball, because he was I like talking to him. Definitely. But like <laughs> but, but so like yeah, the both point guard are so Jaron Grant is gonna be the backup point guard. And then Paul Zipser is gonna be the other wing off the bench, and he's like like, again, I'm i i am obviously really like him, and part of that is just, you know, getting into, like, the Twitter meme stuff or whatever. But I actually think that like, down the line he's going to be a solid, you know, 3-and-D rotation player, not necessarily a starter. But he's had his moments this year. He had 21 points last night against the Nets scrubs. He's capable of knocking down open threes. He's not a great defender, but he can stay in front of guys. He doesn't really make a lot of obvious mistakes like a lot of rookies do. So... He's, he's, he's going to be the other wing off the bench. Bobby Portis is going to be the backup power forward, and you have no idea what you're getting out of him night to night. And then uh, finally, back, you know, back into the backup center spot, it was, they were, he was playing Joffrey Laverne for a while, which I didn't really understand, but Cristiano Felicio is going to be the backup center, so that's going to be the nine.
0: Okay, so one, one question I have, and I, I haven't started to look into the Bulls too much. I haven't looked at too much tape yet. What, F and when the Celtics go small. How have the Bulls been at handling other teams' small lineups?
1: Well, it was a lot easier when they had Taj Gibson that they could put at the yeah. five who can who can who can defend. You know, they're, they're, they're in some of these lineups they're going to be kind of forced to put Bobby Portis at the five and maybe even play Jimmy Butler at the four, which has some weird lineups. They're not really equipped for it, and that's something I think the Celtics are really dangerous. And also, uh, so so so, what is the Celtics eight or nine man rotation? Because you were just talking about Terry Rozier being out of it. So like like, what like what is who are their nine?
0: They'll bring Marcus Smart off the bench, Jalen Brown, Jonas Jarebko, Kelly Olynyk, and maybe Tyler Zeller, depending on matchups. Obviously, the Bulls are pretty big, so Zeller might get some time, or they might just want to s- spread out the Bulls and put as much skill as possible out there and see if they can take advantage of some of. Chicago's bigger guys. I do think, as I look at things, the small lineup for Boston might be their biggest advantage. And it's funny because their small lineup with Jay Crowder at power forward, for a long time this year, it was bad. Like It was, it was really, really bad. But since the All-Star break, with their, their lineup with probably their best five players, Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, Jay Crowder, and Al Horford, has been a killer and and that is again that is a huge huge change. It was, it was like startlingly bad over the first half of the season and then just became an awesome small lineup after that. I think Brad Stevens has been a lot more a lot more picky about where he plays those guys and and that's helped. But when I when I look at the the series, the way to beat Chicago is is to put skill out there and take advantage of their slower bigs cuz Miritich isn't a quick guy. Robin Lopez obviously he's a good defender but a little slower than yeah.
1: a lot of He's sl- kind of a traditional big.
0: Exactly. And then even off the bench Felicio you you got like like he he can move his feet a little bit but w- the way I see it like spread them out, sh- put shooters on the floor and try to beat them that way. So when I look at it I, I feel like that's the way Brad Stevens will go and, and maybe I'm wrong, but but I don't think Chicago has like like the wing depth to play small lineups as much as the Celtics do.
1: Uh, you think that the team that is that whose third wing it basically is Denzel Valentine or Paul Zipser doesn't have the wing depth to compete with the Celtics that's another hot take from Jay King <laughs> I, got a, I, got, I got a question for you actually speaking of wing depth what are you how much are you expecting out of Jalen Brown in this series because that's somebody that I'm really interested to see how he does because he's had moments this year where he's just looked Phenomenal, Like, he, he's a guy who doesn't really back down from a lot of defensive assignments. And he's, like, I feel like this could go one or two ways for him. It could be, like, a coming-out party for him where you're like, wow, this guy is, you know, this this guy is, is, re- is a real impact guy. Kind of like that Jimmy Butler's uh, rookie year, or not rookie year, his second year when the Bulls uh, were missing, like, everybody. And they played the Heat in the second round, and he had a really good series uh, filling in for Lewald Ding. Or it could be for Jalen Brown, like... A moment where he just gets burned by Jimmy Butler, and she's like, "Okay, he's not re- quite ready yet as a rookie." Like, what are you expecting out of him? Uh,
0: I, I think I think he'll be what he's been all season. <laughs> he'll deliver some awesome highlights. He'll occasionally leave a three point shooter wide open at the arc. He'll he'll be up and down, but he'll look like he, he belongs. And I think that's like the story of Jalen Brown's season is even when he screws up. And even when he doesn't play quite as well, that kid looks like he
1: belongs. Like he—that's what I—that's that, what I've been really impressed with him too. He's—he's—he never looked like because there are so many rookies where you're just like, oh, he has no idea where to be. With Jalen Brown, I feel like you know he'll he'll blow a defensive rotation now and then, but he's like, he's a smart enough guy. Like he he makes a mistake once, and then he's like, okay, I'm not going to make this mistake again. And he like, he he doesn't look like he's overwhelmed by being out there.
0: Yeah, and I I I, I think I think the Celtics have. Brad Stevens, had the his trust in Jalen has, has grown as the season went on. Brown, he started like, I think, 19 games this season. And what was interesting recently is Brad Stevens said, you know, he he's played a lot better when he's surrounded by good players. And like when he's with the best players on the Celtics, because he can just do what he does best right now, which is finishing. And he's become a decent spot-up shooter. Um, then that's how to how he's maximized it and when he when he gets out of his role a little bit then things don't always go as well but i I do think he's a he's a guy they think they can rely on for a a solid amount of minutes jay crowder recently (laughs) was saying that they had to like sit jalen brown down and try to have a conversation with him about like what the playoffs are going to be like 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 they, they were trying to trying to prepare him for the playoffs and meanwhile these these are guys that like still haven't advanced out of the first round but
1: right but they've still i mean there's still guys on the team i mean Avery Bradley he wasn't a huge player at the time but he was on a lot of those you know those last couple of Garnett uh Pierce teams in the in the early 2010s i guess whatever you call the decade like Amir Johnson before he signed with the Celtics he was on a couple of those Raptors teams that were pretty good and uh, he was obviously on the Pistons,
0: Al- Pistons before that yeah. Yeah, and obviously Al Horford.
1: Play much. <laughs> and obviously Al Horford has been pretty. He got to the conference finals yeah. with the Hawks. Like he's been, he's been in a in a bunch of playoff series. Like they have guys on the team, and it's kind of the same dynamic as the Bulls because the Bulls have obviously Dwayne Wade, who has multiple championships, Rajon Rondo, who's had a ton of deep playoff runs, uh, and then Jimmy Butler, who's had some. He hasn't been in the playoffs a ton, but he's had some big playoff moments. Robin Lopez has playoff experience. Like they have guys who have been there and then a lot of guys who have never been anywhere close to the playoffs before. And this is going to be their first time. It's going to be kind of an adjustment period. And this, that's something that Wade, both Wade and Rondo were talking about last night about like how they're excited for these young guys to get to experience it. And it's, it's going to be a different dynamic because they're going to have to like after every game, they're going to have a couple of days off to break down film and like, look at this is what the mistakes were. Uh, this is what to do differently. So it's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't, it's not quite as much of the same thing with uh, – with Boston because they have a few more veterans like that than the, than the Bulls do but it's sort of the same dynamic because like Jalen Brown has obviously never been in the playoffs uh, some some of these other guys haven't really had a lot of playoff experience so it's it's gonna be kind of a, an interesting balance on both ends
0: yeah I, I'm excited for this series man I'm excited for the playoffs i I'm ready for basketball to really matter again
1: it, it's, what's your favorite series that you're looking forward to besides this one like as far as just which series you think will be fun to watch because I've got one clippers jazz Ooh, that's a good one although I, i'm kind of i mean obviously the you know the clippers are fun in the playoffs chris paul's fun in the playoffs i'm kind of just tired of watching the clippers i, I see the, i see, I actually see i actually would pick utah to win that series i think i like utah more than the clippers
0: i, I think i think utah will win too but clippers have played really well lately i i i love watching jj reddick fly around screens that's that's one of my favorite things Is is watching JJ Redick off ball like that? That guy must be in unreal shape because he just runs and runs and runs and runs. And and I would hate to guard that dude. Uh, So yeah, I
1: have one. I have one upset pick for the first round.
0: Ooh, Hawks! I bet the Hawks. No. No.
1: Bucks Raptors.
0: You think the Bucks are going to beat the Raptors?
1: I think it's possible. I think I, <laughs> I think the Raptors are vulnerable, and I think the Bucks are like. I mean, Giannis, like, I think I think Giannis is gonna. You know, he's really made the leap this year. I like I like what he could bring. I like you know. I think you know they got Middleton back. I I feel like they figured some things out. I I, I like that series. I think that series is gonna be more. I I would probably like. If you put a gun in my head, probably still pick the Raptors, but that that series I think is gonna be more competitive than people realize. I I,
0: I do like the Bucks, but I think the Raptors are damn good man like
1: i actually like washington the most out of any of the uh, out of any of the teams besides the Cavs in the east
0: see i i'm not sold on washington i think their bench just has guys you can you can pick on like
1: well, uh, so obviously the series i'm the most looking forward to just for watching it i don't think it's going to be that competitive but Harden westbrook is going to be amazing yeah yeah that that'll be fun uh yeah, that, Portland Portland to Golden State will actually be a pretty fun sweep too like I think Dame will go off oh that,
0: that might be like like 20 30 point blowouts
1: well it will'll it'll be it'll be 20 30 point blowouts but like Dame and CJ might go for 40 each in, in all the games like trying to keep them in it like that, I think it'll be fun I didn't say it would be competitive but I think it'll be fun <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, be a, it'll be as fun as a blowout series can be yeah it, I,
0: I, the one the one upset pick I might have is Atlanta over Washington.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: I think that, that's that's one to watch. I, I think Atlanta, when they're f- fully healthy, they're they're pretty good. Like they're they're not yeah, great. I think they're but they're pretty good. I, I don't think the Wizards I don't think any team in the Eastern Conference is great, with the possible exception of Cleveland, if they do have a a flip a switch to flip. So Well
1: Cleveland has LeBron, so just by virtue of that, like I I still think they're gonna go to the finals.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't. I don't think anyone disagrees with you there. We'll, we'll see. Uh,
1: I'm actually like kind of as much as I'm sort of sick of watching the Pacers just on an individual level. The LeBron Paul George battle in the first round is going to be fun too.
0: Yeah, especially if the Cavs haven't really figured it out and and still yeah, like
1: the Pacers might get one of those first two games and have people going, "Oh, is this going to be a series?" And then the Cavs are just going to be like, "No."
0: no I, I just don't think the Pacers are
1: any good. They... No, I don't either. That, but, but I'm really upset that the Heat didn't get in. I would have so much rather seen Heat Cavs or like the, the Deion Waiters revenge series and like.
0: I, I would be all in on the Deion Waiters revenge series. Uh, by the way, before we leave, I, I got to talk about that Eric Spolster press conference. Which one? I, I I haven't seen this. You you gotta you gotta go look at it. He, he like end of season he, like exit interviews. He, he, yeah, so he steps up to the podium, and I, I guess he gives opening remarks before any reporter asked a question yeah yeah he he just kind of sits there obviously they've just been eliminated from the playoffs even though they won their last game partly because the nets and hawks decided to to sit players um and 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 they've had this unbelievable run you know they've won 30 of their last 42 games after starting 11 30 and and they've they've just completely shattered expectations for the, for their roster any reasonable expectations and he sits there and his his head is just down and he said something like i, I have never wanted anything more than i've wanted to make the playoffs with this group and it's just, it's a really powerful moment and i think it speaks to how how special that 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 their run was even though they didn't make the playoffs even though they weren't a great team like to go from 11 and 30 to win that many games is just incredible it, it was an incredible run and to do it with like
1: Okaro white and like
0: yeah all the all the castoffs they had
1: on their team they're like nine d leaguers on the team
0: <laughs> yeah just a mish mishmash of 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 weird players like hassan whiteside who played in lebanon or whatever and, Rodney Magruder,
1: uh, yeah, just Rodney Magruder. somehow still getting it in. Uh, I think this is the year that like the average, like casual NBA fan has finally realized how good of a coach Eric Spoelstra is. Because like during the championship years, the people were all like, "Oh, well, you know, Eddie, you know, he has LeBron, he has Bosh, and wait, he has these stars. Like that's why he's winning." And then they miss the playoffs. Uh, the year after LeBron leaves, uh, just barely, and so it's like, a, like, and so people are like, "Oh, is it, you know, maybe Eric Spolster just needed all those stars in order to win." But then I think this year kind of puts that to best. He, he, I would, start, I think, I would probably vote for D'Antoni for Coach of the Year. But like Spolster's in that conversation. I don't think anybody at this point can deny how good of a coach he is.
0: Yeah, he, he's he's a great coach, and he's adapted every year, which is, which is the sign yeah. of a great coach, I think. All right, let's let's end it there. Let's. This is. I'm better. sure we'll
1: do. I'm sure we'll do more of these, and because I'm I'm going to be in Boston, you're going to be in Chicago. We're yep. both going to be at everything. I'm sure we'll do a couple of these during the series in person.
0: Yep. Game one, Sunday, Easter Sunday. Everybody, get excited. Get your Easter eggs. Get your chocolate. Get your candy, and sit down on the couch and watch. Maybe a good game.
1: <laughs> watch Jimmy Butler versus is be Isaiah case. Thomas. I think this is going to be a competitive series. I don't think there are going to be any blowouts in this series. That's my prediction.
0: Before we leave, what what's your prediction for the series?
1: Celtics in six.
0: Yeah, me too. We both got Celtics in six. I should have gone first, so then then I, I didn't feel like like I was copying you.
1: Well, no, but that's that's less logical. Like these teams, like the Celtics are the more talented team, but the Bulls are going to make it competitive. I think that's the I think that's the logical pick for the series.
0: There you go, the logical pick for the series. Thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Yeah all right that's it for this episode of the locked on celtics podcast as usual we will be here monday through friday giving you a daily podcast on the boston celtics we might change it up a little bit we'll probably change it up to match the celtics playoff schedule uh maybe a few more weekend podcasts we'll see We'll see. We're not quite sure yet, but subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and we will be back after game one with a reaction to that game. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales.